Our second reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter, verses 2 through 11. And if you'd like to follow along, it is also printed on the back of your bulletin announcements. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal places. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Here ends our reading. Hurrying to catch the last ferry back to Larkspur after a presbytery meeting, I made my way through a mostly empty ferry building. With an air of joyful purpose, an officer and her patrol partner were providing medical transit to a homeless person, wheeling him in a gurney-like wheelchair. Several paces ahead of me, an early 30-something was halted mid-stride, as the doors suddenly came upon him. The female officer had called out to him as if they were old friends unexpectedly crossing paths. He was caught by that time warp experience of suddenly recognizing someone he knew and was drawn to be able to pause and connect with. But his body was still committed to rushing forward. By the time I made it to the doors he was preparing to open, he was still gathering himself. As if I were a trusted companion, the two of us walking even paced now, he confided that he works as a nurse and occasionally sees that officer bringing in patients. He has a huge crush on her. And he doesn't know what to do about it because he has to respect her as a professional woman. What, he asked, should he do? <laughs> I didn't have a good answer for him. But I lent him my friendship, one stranger to another, listening, reveling, pondering, even if only for a few brief steps. 
it's not what I expected to find in the city late at night. I was prepared to be cautious, a woman alone. I was prepared to remain safely in my own inner world, vigilant, careful not to communicate openness to conversation. But weeks later, I remained delighted at the surprise of that interchange, the earnestness of it, choosing to greet one another, curious, safe. I adore Mary Oliver's telling of such an interchange, fleeting and hopeful. She writes, I'd seen their hoof prints in the deep needles and knew they ended the long night under the pines, walking like two mute and beautiful women toward the deeper woods. So I got up in the dark and went there. They came slowly down the hill and looked at me sitting under the blue trees. Shyly, they stepped closer and stared from under their thick lashes and even nibbled some damp tassels of weeds. This is not a poem about a dream, though it could be. This is a poem about the world that is ours, or could be. Finally, one of them, I swear it, would have come to my arms, but the other stamped sharp hoof, hoof in the pine needles like the tap of sanity, and they went off together through the trees. And so, the tap of sanity brings us back to earth, sober, wise, even if that means coming up short in trusting the world that is ours or could be. I've heard tell that there was some competition between those who followed John and those who followed Jesus. And that there was some debate about whether John was truly the Messiah, not Jesus. Others claimed John was Elijah returned, heralding the coming of the Christ. It was, as it always has been, a time of great debate on many topics. Each camp had carefully constructed positions on such questions as, what happens when you die? What comes of the soul? Is there an actual person, an anointed one, who is to come to restore the dream of Israel? And if so, what are they to be like? A warrior? A royal? Some kind of humanitarian? And by what authority are these and other answers known? Written law? Oral tradition? A lineage of elevated priests? We hear hints of Matthew's conclusions in our reading. If John is trying to assess whether Jesus is the Messiah he may have been waiting for, the pertinent information can be found in what is happening in Jesus' midst. 
the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. He shows up as a prophet, able to perform miracles and heal the sick. And as with any true prophet, it is more common than not that many, maybe most, are offended by him. And this, he knows, is also the case with John, who had the great misfortune of facing the ire of Herod. Indeed, the longer Jesus speaks, the more his words land as a message of respect and encouragement for one he greets not as a threat, but as a friend. Skilled practitioner in the art of nourishing the weary soul, Jesus invokes the memory of Elijah. Elijah, who like John knew the wilderness. Elijah, who like John upset those in power and who in the face of death was met by a messenger of God offering him nourishment that he might have the strength to continue. He faced windstorms, earthquakes, fires, yet responding to the voice of God, he returned to lead God's people. Since Elijah's final departure, when he was lifted up in a whirlwind with a chariot and horses of fire, the people have been looking for his return, for a leader, a prophet, and more than a prophet. And such a one has come. Yet he, like Jesus, is treated with disdain and soon will be put to death. You might remember John the Baptist is beheaded. When Elijah was in a cave in the wilderness, he hears God ask him a question. What are you doing here? Elijah rattles off a predictable response, anchored in his familiar and carefully constructed position, maintaining his vindication. God asks again, what are you doing here? This question is what precedes his move out of fear and isolation. Jesus carries forward the question to those listening to him. What were you looking for when you went out into the wilderness? Have you not found it and more? Then what are you doing here? What are you doing treating with disdain those whom you sought? What are you doing, Herod, killing an Elijah such as this? What are you doing, children of God, treating us as an enemy? What are you doing undervaluing one another? This is the world that is ours, or could be. A homiletics professor of mine used to say that in order to properly exegete, fancy for interpret, scripture, it is necessary to perform it. You have to internalize thinking through the logic, 
seeing the action, feeling the emotional layers. You have to embody it, speak it aloud, stand in it. Let yourself be vulnerable enough for it to become alive in your own experience of being human or some other animal or fiery substance, as the case may be. Given the difficulty in trusting the world that is ours, given the persistent tap that calls us back to sanity, loyal to the positions we've relied on to keep us safe, wise, vindicated, it seems necessary to remember such moments as the deer stepping closer, even eating some tassels of weeds or the 30-something halted by the possibility of love and reveling in it with a stranger. It seems all the more precious to allow a pageant to come alive. In the living out of a pageant, it becomes imbued with more than the story of the birth of a particular baby but of the Christ child carried within each of us. The significance of everyone there, every role becomes personal. Each barn animal, each sheep and shepherdess making their way in from the field, each camel and wise one, each angel and star, even the ocean and what I heard was going to be an appearance of a narwhal, those unicorns of the sea. For those several moments, there is some glimmer of the kingdom of God that is realized. We are invited to revel in recognizing the world that is ours and can be. Praise be. Amen.